0: Tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. This past Tuesday, over 150 students gathered to protest a lecture by conspiracy theorist and anti LGBTQ activist James Lindsay. Justine Fisher walks you through the protest from when students arrived outside of the building to when they entered with pride flags.
1: ...aimed at LGBTQ people and other marginalized groups that some listeners may find upsetting. We
2: are here! We are queer! We
3: are going back! We are here! We are queer! We are
1: going back! On Tuesday, more than 150 Northwestern students arrived outside Swift Hall to protest the presence of James Lindsay on campus. The Northwestern Young Americans for Freedom hosted this speaking event for free in Swift Hall at 7 p.m. Lindsay describes himself as an author, mathematician, and professional troublemaker on his website. He can also be considered a conspiracy theorist and anti-LGBTQ activist. The event itself was titled The Dangers of Identity Politics and Intersectionality. This is a point of view Lindsay often shares on his YouTube channel, along with implying that LGBTQ people are groomers and denying critical race theory. Talk of protests on campus started when the poster advertising Lindsay's lecture circulated. It featured a pride flag with a skull and crossbones. Many queer students were motivated to push back against the messaging, waving pride flags outside of the event.
2: No hate speech on our campus! No hate speech on our campus! No on our
1: campus. The aim of the protesters was clear. The poster's hateful imagery motivated Sespi and Weinberg sophomore Catherine McDonnell to attend the protest.
2: I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And so seeing the poster that was used to promote the event, which from my understanding of it was kind of a call of violence against queer people. Seeing that initially made me want to protest the event and not protest in the hopes of like preventing the event from happening per se but more so to offer a space for people to come together as a community and kind of air their grievances with hateful rhetoric um, and just know that, like, there's other people out there who feel the same way, who are there to support them, who are there to, like, fight for them.
1: Because of the advertising decision made by Young Americans for Freedom, McDonald added,
2: I'm not just protesting the speaker. I'm protesting people who are calling for violence against...
1: Leading up to the protests, as McCormick sophomore Justin Sortland was seeing posts on Instagram, he was interested and joined a growing crowd of spectators.
3: When I heard about, like, who the speaker was, like, I didn't know his name, and I don't think many people did, but, like, I, like, looked at, I, like, looked up his name, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I haven't heard of him before, but a lot of people are upset, so I'll go see what this is about and maybe learn, like, who he is, what he believes.
1: Though some protesters were more impassioned than others, a significant crowd had amassed, starting at 6.30. From the beginning, the tone of the protest centered around resistance. <laughs> Sortland added that some even appeared to be observers, while others were more fervent in their beliefs.
3: I would say a lot of people were like chanting, and like some people were more passionate than others. I think I'd say like the people in the back were up, uh, were just observing, while the people in the front were just very passionate. Campus!
2: Our campus. Our campus.
4: Our campus. Our campus!
1: Eventually, students stood up in front of the crowd to say what they loved about themselves and what they wished they could say to Lindsay.
2: I appreciated how people were given the chance to like speak in front of the crowd and kind of share their thoughts and share their identity and how there was that aspect of celebration for like sharing your identity and like owning your identity, owning who you are. um...
1: Then about halfway through the event, someone stood up and announced that they would be going inside. Most protesters followed, and around 40 people ended up in the room with Lindsay, until security stopped letting more of them in.
3: They didn't let people in after, because like, after like a bunch of people like got in already, they kind of just like blocked it off. Yeah, they were very like restrictive after a point.
1: McDonald tried to go in, holding a pride flag, but they told her that they reached capacity and she had to go back out. She recognized a few different reasons for the many protesters who wanted to go into the event
2: some people were like genuinely curious like what does this person have to say not necessarily like that they thought they were going to agree with him but just wanting to know like okay i know the general idea of what he believes in but i want to like hear him explain it himself and then for a few other people it was something along along the lines of um i want him to like look me in the eye while he says something hateful about my identity or I want him mm-hmm. to know that, like, I am real. Um, some people wanted to sit in there so they could ask him questions and try to challenge him.
1: For those that remained outside, the mood of the protest shifted as they waited for Lindsay to exit. An organizer asked for quote really queer music to blast out of a speaker, and people started to improvise. After Lindsay left campus, the back and forth continued on Twitter, where he posted disparaging remarks about the protesters. McDonald said this just made her feel better about her decision to protest.
2: I think overall, the, I guess, supposed backlash against the protest to me is kind of, I understand why it happens. It doesn't mean that it's okay. And it's also very entertaining in the sense that it makes me feel reassured in the choices I made to, like, attend the protest, because, like, wow, these people really don't know what they're talking about.
1: The sentiment from the rest of the protesters was similar.
2: We're here, we're We're queer, and we're not going anywhere!
1: Young Americans for Freedom did not respond to WNUR News' request for comment. For WNUR News, I'm Justine Fisher.
0: Moving on to arts and entertainment. The 2010 Hunger Games craze is coming back amidst the anticipated theatrical release of the Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Brandon Condritz investigates the resurgence roots and what fans, both old and new, have to say about it. Warning this segment may contain spoilers about the series.
5: Has this catchy trumpet-filled melody been on your TikTok For You page recently? To some, it's only the most recent trending sound, but for others, it's a trip down memory lane. It's one of the tracks on the soundtrack for The Hunger Games, the story of a dystopian world that's been experiencing a recent resurgence. The Hunger Games is a trilogy of novels that were later adapted into four action-packed movies. It all began in 2008, when the first book hit shelves nationwide. And in 2015, the final movie, Mockingjay Part 2, was released in theaters. In that seven-year period, the story of Katniss Everdeen, Peta Mullark, and the oppression of Panem's 12 districts dominated pop culture.
4: I grew up on The Hunger Games. I was obsessed with The Hunger Games when I was a kid. And so I still think about it from time to time. I think I'd be in District 4.
5: That's Medill first year Juliet Allen. Although she was an avid Hunger Games fan in her youth, she was surprised to see it resurfacing on social media last month.
4: Initially, I feel like a lot of people started seeing a lot of TikToks about the Hunger Games. So I I was watching them and like I was slowly getting more and more Hunger Games TikToks. And then I found out that Hunger Games was on Netflix for a limited time.
5: Only for the month of March, all four movies were available for fans to enjoy, but signs show that it goes beyond pure nostalgia.
4: A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which I believe was about President Snow, it's like a prequel about President Snow, is coming out as a movie soon whenever movie studio does the hunger games you know work something out with netflix stressed that they were only there for a month gave people a very limited amount of time to watch it and then like netflix cut us all off and now everyone wants more hunger games which is like gonna sell tickets to ballad of songbirds
3: 6. i volunteer as tribute
5: Author Suzanne Collins released The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes as a novel in 2020, and the movie adaptation will be released later this year. Even if it was a marketing tactic by the film's producers, it has revived the pop culture world's love for the series. School of Communication first year Mayrin Quirk has enjoyed the opportunity to reminisce.
4: I think a lot of things from our, like, teen, young adult era is coming back because, you know, we're in college, we're a little homesick maybe.
5: We just want to, like, relive our youth. She's seen the references about reapings, star-crossed lovers, jabberjays, and more on her TikTok For You page. Quirk says longtime obsessions are being revived, especially a clip from movie two of Sam Claflin, who plays Finnick O'Dare, drinking from a spile.
4: Finnick in the spile? That is, I have seen that on TikTok. I think the thirst for Sam Claflin is... Just coming back.
5: For School of Communication first year Ellen Darmstadter, the revival has been a good reminder of the role the books played in her childhood.
4: I love those movies. I just think they're great. I'm not a big action movie person, but I just thought they're a really good adaptation of the books. I read the books first and I really liked them. So I was just excited to seeing them coming back, seeing people excited about them.
5: And when asked if Darmstadter has any favorites in the series, she was quick to answer.
4: I think Catching Fire is the best. I just think that the costumes are great. Effie, I love her outfits. They're fantastic. And also it just is a really great pivotal moment where there's a lot of uncertainty about, you know, Katniss and PETA. Does anyone actually believe their love acts? But then they're also finding out that they do kind of like each other, and I think it's just portrayed really well. Let the seventy-fifth Hunger Games
3: begin. May the odds be ever in your favor.
5: The movies are gaining traction among new fans too. Weinberg first year Margaret Sprig Dudley knew a little about the series, but is enjoying digging into the plot.
4: I have watched two of the movies so far. I'm loving them. Good story. I like the characters. I thought I knew kind of the
5: overarching plot of the whole like set, but apparently I only knew the plot of one of the movies, so I'm excited to see what will happen. With all of the Hunger Games content flooding TikTok, Sprig Dudley has found herself steering clear of social media to avoid spoilers.
4: Sometimes, like, A video will come up about the Hunger Games, and I'll like scroll away or something. So, I have been making a little bit of an
5: effort because I am in the middle of watching it. And for some, like Weinberg first-year Ainsley Lauer, The Resurgence has been a good excuse to explore something completely new.
0: I'm kind of excited about it because I never got into The Hunger Games the first time around. So now that it's coming back, I can actually appreciate it.
5: Not all of the content flooding social media about The Hunger Games has been nostalgic, though. Some creators have been intensely analyzing characters and key scenes. Alan has seen these videos firsthand.
4: There's this one girl who, like, posts theories and, like, her thoughts on The Hunger Games books and movies. Her TikToks are, are pretty interesting, what she said. Her, the content is pretty interesting.
5: Alan's referring to Loretta Lera at Lucky Lefty on TikTok. She's made dozens of videos diving into everything from the evolution of Effie Trinket's outfits to Caesar Flickerman's political role in the games themselves.
0: Caesar Flickerman is a captivating side character made even more intriguing by the debate that surrounds him on where his loyalties truly lie. On the one hand, Katniss doesn't speak harshly of him in the books in the way she often does other high-ranking capital officials. When it comes to reality TV, people tend to gravitate towards drama and conflict. And so when Katniss is getting ready for her interview with Flickerman, one of her fears is that Flickerman is Going to try and make a fool of her. However, he surprises her by treating her and her fellow tributes with dignity. And I am using that word extremely lightly here.
5: Despite the deeply analytical content circulating about the series, Lauer believes The Return is simply a way of bringing back a beloved series of movies.
0: And I think this time around, there's a different sort of view of it. You know, people take it a little less seriously. And while it may have some underlying political messages, I think now the main purpose is like nostalgia and entertainment.
5: Although the movies are now off of Netflix, new and old fans alike are still watching on other streaming services and they're looking ahead to November when the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes will hit theaters.
4: I love the Hunger Games. There are much worse games to play.
5: For WNUR News, I'm Brandon Condritz.
0: One name has been floating around the internet a lot lately. Pedro Pascal. He's a prominent actor known for his roles in Narcos, The Last of Us, and now from the world of TikTok edits. Here's Oddities reporter Helen Bradshaw with more.
6: On January 20th, TikTok user Dev Cree made
3: history. How would you like to ride home on a real cowboy? I got a six pack of cold ones all night, so my room's out all night, so you can scream my name as loud as you need to, sugar. Hey, sexy
2: lady. I can picture this in my brain.
6: That's Margot Rocco. She, like many other 22-year-old TikTok users, knows this sound like the back of her hand. The 22-second video of actor Pedro Pascal garnered millions of likes and over 30 million total views. It became known as the edit of all edits, and TikTok edits solidified their place in mainstream pop culture. If you don't know what an edit is, you're not alone. Edits, otherwise known as fan cams, have been around for years. They're basically short compilations of beloved characters and celebrities edited together to a song and shared on social media. This particular Pedro Pascal edit has become so popular and inspired so many others that even Pascal himself made fun of it recently on SNL.
3: You have made thousands of fan cams of me, and I'm not sure what they mean, but I know it has to stop.
2: But we make them because you're our beloved. (laughs)
3: <laughs> okay don't say
6: that although they're not new few edits have become paragons like dev crease
2: like if i were to explain it to someone who has never seen a tiktok edit i feel like the one i would pull up would be do you remember that one of Timothy Chalmay from like a, a really long time ago and it's like from, it was from like the dance scene in calling by her name i guess i'm just a play
6: Only a couple of months after schools closed down in 2020 and phones were about the only way we interacted with each other, a short video of actor Timothy Chalamet dancing to a Melanie Martinez song blew up on TikTok. People were recreating it, and the sound alone was enough to conjure the image of 20-year-old Chalamet dancing his heart out. Now, three years later, another edit has taken the crown of TikTok virality.
2: That feels like a cultural moment that, like, everyone that gets TikTok edits, whether or not they're a Pedro Pascal fan was like getting that one. So I think that Pedro Pascal one and then also the like Timothy Chalamet one have like a very specific cultural impact.
6: But behind the scenes of these enthralling videos are self-taught editors, often ranging from early teens and beyond, who have a passion for a particular piece of media and also have a vision. Tess McChesney, an avid fan of Dimension 20, a Dungeons and Dragons show, is one of them.
4: I had a uh, spring break and I was like really into watching the show and I had seen other people making them on TikTok and since I had like a week off, I just like did it like I did that all for a week and I've like sort of done it on and off since then.
6: McChesney says their videos are typically only 20 seconds long but can take around 10 hours to make. Still, it's a rewarding process, both in the online friends they've made along the way and in the skills they've developed. I took a public speaking class, like everyone in college does. And my last project was a video. And the fact
4: that I knew how to put a video together, like I understood how at least one program worked, made my
6: life so much easier. McChesney's fandom isn't associated with Pedro Pascal, but even then they say it's impacted them.
4: You know, I don't think I thought he was attractive at all before I
6: started seeing them. So that's sort of interesting. Uh, they can sort of rewire
4: your brain chemistry. I guess it's like anything else. When you see see more of something, then you get more interested in it.
5: For
6: W N U R News, I'm Helen Bradshaw.
0: Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.23 p.m. Central Time. Another week, another B-list. This week, the aftermath of the Met Gala, Taylor Swift and Matt Healy's dating rumors, King Charles III's coronation, and the Writers Guild strike. Ella Barnes has the scoop.
7: Welcome to The B-List, your weekly roundup of celebrity mess and pop culture. This week, the Met Gala's subtle protests, Maddie Keeley and Taylor Swift might be dating, King Charles' coronation, and the Writers Guild of America is on strike. I'm your host, Ella Barnes. Stick with me. Fashion's biggest night out happened last Monday. Carl Lagerfeld, the subject of this year's Met Gala, transformed Chanel from frumpy to modern. However, he was also a self-proclaimed big mouth, publicly sounding off with fat phobia. He spoke out against gay men who wanted to adopt children, migrants, sexual assault survivors, the Me Too movement, and, quote, ugly people, without apology. Some celebrities took the red carpet as an opportunity to protest the controversial figure statements, with celebs like Viola Davis, Ashley Graham, and Precious Lee wearing pink to protest Lagerfeld's statement that pink isn't a flattering color on anyone. Next, either Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy are dating, or they're having a marvelous time trolling their fans. On May 3rd, less than a month after the news broke that Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn ended their six-year relationship, The Sun reported that the 33-year-old pop star had moved on with the 34-year-old frontman of the 1975. Though many fans initially brushed off the claim that the singers are, quote, madly in love, it became a lot harder to ignore when Healy flew all the way from the Philippines to watch Taylor Swift perform in Nashville on May 5th. Not all fans are convinced that Taylor and Maddie are legitimately dating at all, though. And think their recent public flirtations are just promo for an upcoming collab, potentially on a vault track from Speak Now, Taylor's version. Britain's newest monarch has now been crowned. The coronation of Charles III and his wife, Camilla, as King and Queen of the United Kingdom and other Commonwealth realms, took place on May 6th, 2023 at Westminster Abbey. Charles took the throne on September 8, 2022, upon the death of his mother, Elizabeth II. Though Prince Harry was in attendance, Meghan Markle was notably absent. Also in attendance was First Lady Jill Biden. Finally, the Writers Guild of America, which represents 11,500 screenwriters, went on strike on Tuesday after contract negotiations with studios, streaming services, and networks failed. Both sides have insisted that the other needs to make the first move to restart talks. None are scheduled. For the moment, media companies have turned to contract renewal negotiations with the Directors Guild of America, which start on Wednesday. That contract expires June 30th. This likely is going to be an ongoing story for many months. That's all for the B List this week. Check in next Monday to hear about what happens this week in pop culture. For WNUR News, I'm Ella Barnes.
0: A look at the weather for tonight. It should be rain-free for the rest of the day with cloudy skies and the weather dipping to the high 40s for tonight. However, tomorrow is supposed to warm up slightly with a high of 62 degrees and a low of 44. Taking a look into the headlines, Northwestern trustee and former FCC's chief, Newton Minow, passed away. Minow passed away in a Chicago home at the age of 97 last Saturday. His daughter, Nell Minow, said the cause of death was a heart attack. Senior guard Boo Booey has decided to return to Northwestern to play out his final year of eligibility in the upcoming 2023-2024 season. After initially declaring for the NBA draft, Booey announced his decision to stay through his personal Twitter earlier this morning. With Booey's decision to stay, it looks like Northwestern has a chance in the Big Ten. Go Cats! The U.S. Department of Education has approved $42 billion in student loan forgiveness for more than 615 public workers. 615,000 public workers since October 2021. The department announced earlier today the loan relief stems from the Biden administration's improvement to the Public Service Loan Forgiveness, or the PSLF. The PSLF allows those who go into public service, such as teachers, government employees, and etc., an opportunity to have their debt forgiven after 10 years of service. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news, updates, and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other WNUR News stories on our website wnur.news. That's wnur.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Justine Fisher, who is also one of our reporters, along with Brandon Condritz, Helen Bradshaw, and Ella Barnes. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm Cara Totley. Catch our next newscast on Wednesday, May 10th at 6pm. Now, back to scheduled programming.